Welcome back once again to the Daily Devotion. My name is Kevin Hell. I'm the pastor of Christ Church Conway, a congregation of the Presbyterian Church in America here in Conway, Arkansas. The Daily Devotion is a time for us to be strengthened in our faith through the study of Scripture and theology. The last few days we've been looking at the uh, story of David and Goliath. It's a very popular story. We've talked about how this story is, is misused at times. Frequently it's misused to to be an underdog story, as, as Malcolm Gladwell, the popular author, treats it, or, or it's misused to be a story to you know tell us to to buckle down hard and 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 have the faith and and be it you know dare to be a David and go slay the giants in your life. You can do anything you know with him and 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 it kind of takes some some true things about the gospel and about the Christian life. And, and twist them around a little bit in a way that robs us of hope in this story. Because the reality is, we look at our lives and we know we can't slay our giants. We know, like the Israelites did, like we saw two days ago, we know that they needed someone to fight for them. They needed a king to fight for them. They, they couldn't go defeat Goliath. He would, have, he would have smoked any one of them. That's kind of the point. And it would have it would have put them in a different position. It would have given them a new narrative, a new you know suzerain, a new king. They would have become servants, not of Yahweh, because he would have been unceremoniously defeated, but of the gods of the Philistines. But then we saw yesterday that God did in fact provide a king, David, the true king that had been anointed in 1 Samuel 16. God provided this king. And he came and fought for the people and gave them victory. And, and we began to look briefly at this victory, how the victory that the king provides was a different sort of victory than what the enemy had put on the table. The king wasn't fighting for servitude. And that's what we're going to pick up today is looking at the king's victory and then what it means for us to walk in the victory of our king. So let me pray for us and then we'll jump in once again to this story. Father, even as we look again now at this story that we've looked at multiple times now, we ask that you would strengthen us. I pray that you would strengthen me and help me by your spirit, that I might teach clearly, that, that I might teach faithfully what it is that you teach in this story, that we, your people, might be strengthened to walk in the victory that our king provides. We ask this in Christ's most precious name. Amen. Well, so yesterday we looked at the fact that God provides the king that we need. And, and we began to look at the fact that, that he won the victory for his people. This victory that his people couldn't win. And we talked about this idea of, of single representative combat. where uh, and, and it was common. You see it throughout the ancient Near East. You see it even in the ancient Greek world where each side would pick a, a representative and they would come and fight. And the outcome of that, you know, mano a mano battle would settle the whole thing. And the losing side would become servants of the winning side. And, and so that's what Goliath had proposed. You send your guy, we'll fight. If we win, y'all are our servants. If, if you win, we're your servants. But David, when he responded to Goliath and to the trash talking that Goliath had given, he wasn't interested in taking prisoners. Verse 46, this day the Lord will deliver you into my hand, 
and I will strike you down and cut off your head. He's, he's returning what Goliath had said to him. Remember what, what Goliath had said in verse 44? Come to me and I will give your flesh to the birds of the air and the beasts of the field. This is from Deuteronomy 28, 26. It's one of the curses that was going to come upon Israel when they didn't obey God. And David just returns that. No, you won't kill me and feed me to the carrion animals. I will strike you down and cut off your head and give... But he doesn't just say dead, Goliath's body. I will give the dead bodies of the host of the Philistines this day to the birds of the air and to the wild beasts of the earth. See, David wasn't in this for prisoners of war. He wasn't interested in the Philistine servitude. He was interested in their defeat. He was interested in their destruction. In order that all the earth may know that there is a God in Israel and that Israel may know, this whole assembly may know that the Lord saves. In other words, he wanted not just Israel to know the story of Israel. He wanted not just those people to remember their story. He wanted all of the earth to understand exactly who their God was and what he was capable of. So he approaches the fight differently. He's fighting for his people just like Goliath was. But the end of the story this time isn't going to be servitude. It's going to be the destruction of the Philistines. And that's exactly what we see happen. Now, let's stop here and think about the, the definition of the Westminster Shorter Catechism that talks about Christ fulfilling the role of king that office of king in his, you know, execution of his mediatorial messianic role. Question number 26 is, how does Christ execute the office of a king? Christ executed the office of a king in subduing us to himself, in ruling and defending us, and in restraining and conquering all his and our enemies. There, there's a number of things that we can tease out there. First of all, it is Christ. It is the king who subdues us to himself. It is, it is he who rules and he who defends us. And it's he who restrains and conquers all of his and our enemies. So our enemies are his enemies. His enemies are our enemies. And this is what a king was to do. And this is exactly what David came and did with the people of God in this story. He fought for them. He subdued them to himself. He ends up, as we see the story continue to unfold throughout the, the rest of the Samuel narrative, ruling and defending his people and restraining and conquering all their enemies so that he brings peace to the land, peace that had not been known. He's the one who fights for his people. But in fighting for his people and going back specifically to the David and Goliath story, we see that when he gains the victory, his people then are able to walk in the victory that their king gained. So pick up in verse 48. When the Philistine arose and came and drew near to meet David, David ran quickly towards the battle line to meet the Philistine. And David put his hand in his bag and took out a stone and slung it and struck the Philistine on his forehead. The stone sank into his forehead and he fell on his face to the ground. 
So David prevailed over the Philistines with a sling and with a stone and struck the Philistine and killed him. There was no sword in the hand of David. Then David ran and stood over the Philistine and took his sword and drew it out of its sheath and, and killed him and cut off his head with it. Twice he's killed Goliath now in this narrative. When the Philistines saw that their champion was dead, they fled. And the men of Israel and Judah rose with a shout and pursued the Philistines as far as Gath and the gates of Ekron, so that the wounded Philistines fell on the way from Sharaim as far as Gath and Ekron. And the people of Israel came back from chasing the Philistines and they plundered their camp. Do you see what happens there? These, these Israelites who previously, with their king, Saul, the false king, who had been rejected by God because he had rejected the word of God, they couldn't fight. They knew they couldn't win. There was nothing that they could do. But when the true king showed up and gained the victory for them, everything changed. Now, the victory was won. See, what they were doing when they were chasing the Philistines as far as Gath and, and Ekron, they weren't gaining the victory there. The battle was over. It was man-on-man. Man. It was one-on-one, -on -one, single representative combat. The battle was over. All they were doing was walking in the victory that their king had won for them. That's the Christian life, walking in the victory that our king wins for us. See, this is a common story. I mentioned yesterday, Revelation chapter 19. Then I saw an angel standing in the sun with a loud voice. He called all the birds that fly directly overhead, come gather for the great supper of God to eat the flesh of kings, the flesh of captains, the flesh of mighty men, the flesh of horses and their riders, and the flesh of all men, both free and slave, both small and great. And I saw the beast and the kings of the earth with their armies gathered to make war against him who was sitting on the horse and against his army. And the beast was captured with its false prophet who in its presence had done the signs by which he deceived those who had received the mark of the beast and those who worshipped its image. These two were thrown alive into the lake of fire that burns with sulfur and the rest were slain by the sword that came from the mouth of him who was sitting on the horse, and all the birds were gorged with their flesh. See, the story of Jesus gaining the victory for us is just foretold. It's a retelling. It's the fulfilled telling of the story of David and Goliath, right down to the birds of the air coming and gorging themselves on the flesh of the enemies that he had defeated. All we are given to do in the Christian life is to walk in the victory of our king. That's what we're to do. This is why when we go to Hebrews chapter 12, beginning in verse 18, we read this, For you have not come to what may be touched a blazing fire and darkness and gloom and a tempest and the sound of a trumpet and a voice whose words made the hearers beg. And he describes Sinai, Mount Sinai, saying that's not where you've come. But you have come to Mount Zion, to the city of the living God, the heavenly Jerusalem, and to innumerable angels in festal gathering, and to the assembly of the firstborn who were enrolled in heaven, to God, the judge of all the earth, and to the spirits of the righteous made perfect, and to Jesus, the mediator of a new covenant, and the, to the sprinkled blood that speaks a better word than the blood of Abel. And he goes on and ends this section saying, Therefore, 
let us be grateful for receiving a kingdom that cannot be shaken. And thus, let us offer to God acceptable worship with reverence and awe, for our God is a consuming fire. What the author of Hebrews is basically saying to us here is remember your story is that your king, God's king, the true king that he provided, he has provided victory for you. Now you have received a kingdom that can't be shaken and you are to walk in that victory, to offer to God acceptable worship with reverence and awe. That's the Christian life, walking in the victory that our God provides for us. Might we rest and walk in the victory that Christ has won for us, his people. Amen.